a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. In the time that we've got remaining, I want us to look at a passage of the Bible together. And uh, if you've got a Bible with you, you want to grab it, you may find it helpful to have it in front of you. If you haven't got one with you, don't worry. I'm going to read the passage to you. We're heading into the book of 1 Samuel, if you want to find that. And uh, we're going to read an account of something that happens around about 1100 years before Christ. So we're now uh, 2010, so we're we're talking around about 3000 or so uh, years ago. And we're going to read an account of uh, of really a story of uh, a, a guy called Samuel. We're going to read an account of how God calls him. And there are three characters I want to look at. There's three characters we're going to look at uh, this morning. Uh, a couple of them appear in this passage, and I'll give some background to help us in the other one as well. So 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, and Eli's the priest, okay? So one night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. If he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, See, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears it tingle. At that time, I will carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family from beginning to end. For I told him I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons made themselves contemptible and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the door to the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli asked, do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely if you hide anything from me, he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, here's the Lord, let him do what is good in his eyes. 
The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up, and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Bathsheba, recognized that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh, and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. And Samuel's word came to all Israel. Okay, let's pray, then we're going to spend a few minutes looking at this passage together. Father, we thank you for your presence with us. We thank you for the words uh, that we've just read of your scripture. And we pray as we spend these few moments together looking at this passage, I, I pray, God, that you would speak to us. Would you come and be our teacher? Help us to understand what we've read and apply it to our lives. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so as we've said, this is an account of something that happens around about 3,000 years ago. And there's three characters I want to look at. Hannah, Eli, and Samuel. Now, if you're bright, if you're still with me, you'll say, hang on, we didn't talk about anybody called Hannah. You're just saying that, aren't you? I can hear you even now. Well, Hannah, you see, appears a couple of chapters earlier. And Hannah is Samuel's mother. Okay, she's Samuel's mum. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, going back a couple of chapters, we see that Hannah hadn't got any children. She's married, but she's been unable to have children. And for a number of years now, she's been asking God for children. Particularly, in fact, she's been asking God for a son. So this is not just a one-off prayer for her. This is something that she's been asking God for, it seems, on many occasions. And she keeps going back to God and she keeps asking him for a son. And there's one occasion, we, we, read, we don't have time to look at it, but you can look at it when you're at home in 1 Samuel chapter 1, where she goes up with her husband and family uh, to the place of offering, to the annual pilgrimage, if you like, and, uh, and she's there and she's really praying and she's asking God for a son. And, and so much so, she's sort of pouring her heart out to the Lord crying and getting really emotional and really asking God that he would answer her prayer. And Eli, the priest who we've just read about, he sees Hannah and, and he thinks that she's had too much to drink. She thinks she's been on the wine and uh, she's just, you know, drunk there. And he rebukes her, actually. He says, what do you think you're doing, you know? And he doesn't realize what's going on. And Hannah says to her, hey, you don't understand, my, my heart is very sorrowful. I'm pouring out my heart before the Lord. And she's there sort of muttering away. He, he must have thought that really she's just had too much wine. But she's praying and she's asking God for something. And so Eli blesses her and, uh, and he says that, you know, may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. And so she goes home. And uh, we're told that in the course of time, she gives birth to a son. God answers her prayer. And this has been a long prayer for her. And in 1 Samuel chapter 2, we find her responding in worship. Because as you guess, she's been asking God for this for a whole, lot, whole length of time. God answers her prayer and her response is one of worship. And thanking God for answering her prayer. So that's Hannah. What, what do we learn from Hannah? Well, firstly, we learn about persistence in prayer. Persistence in prayer. Hannah didn't give up. It wasn't just a one-off where she went and asked God for something, but she kept asking until she got an answer. 
She wasn't afraid to, to keep asking. Maybe you've got children like that. I'm discovering that. You know, that children come to you and ask you a question, and if you don't give them an answer, they don't just give up at that point, do they? They don't just sort of go back to watching whatever they are, maybe watching on telly or doing, and think, oh, well, I didn't get an answer. They'll keep asking you. And they'll keep asking until you answer their question. With ours, it's normally, can I have something to eat? Or can I have a drink, Daddy? And if they don't get an answer straight away, they'll keep coming again until it's a very clear yes or no, or wait until dinner time. It's normally the third, actually. Kids are like that, aren't they? What Hannah teaches us here is that we should be like that in the way that we pray. Keep asking God until we get an answer. Now, you may not always get a yes. Depends what you're asking for. If you're praying for a new Lamborghini to appear on your drive, when you get home from here this morning, probably the answer's going to be no. Oh, some of you are saying. But you might be praying for something else. Maybe you're asking God for a son or a child. Maybe you're praying for a particular individual or situation. The lesson from Hannah is to keep asking until you get an answer. God promises to answer our prayers, not always with a yes, because he knows what's best for us. Sometimes what's best for us is a no, or perhaps a wait. But the lesson from Hannah is to keep praying, keep asking, and not to give up. But the second character that we read about here is the guy called Eli. Now, Eli is a priest at a place called Shiloh, which is where the Israelites went to give their offerings. And uh, we know a little bit about Eli from the passages here because we, we discover that Eli, whilst he was, the, he was the priest, he had a couple of sons who were sort of helped him in the priesthood. It was a priestly family. So they were there dealing with the sacrifices as well. But Eli evidently had not disciplined his sons very well. And they were wayward. That would be an understatement. He had a couple of very rebellious children. Now, you may have some rebellious kids. Um, Well, actually, I'm sure none of you have rebellious kids. But maybe you know somebody who's got some rebellious children. These guys were just in a different league. So they took the sacrifices that were meant to be treated in a certain way. They disrespected what God had said in terms of how they were to be treated. The Bible tells us that they were sleeping with women at the the tent of meeting. I mean, they were just thoroughly disrespectful to Eli and rebellious kids. And it seems that he hadn't dealt with this. He turned a bit of a blind eye. You You know what it's like sometimes you see your kids doing something wrong And the easy option is just to sort of turn a blind eye, you think, just to not notice it. Actually, that's never an easy option. (laughs) That always comes back to bite you, doesn't it? But he'd done that. And he'd sort of turned a blind eye to what his sons were doing and, you know, hadn't dealt with it. He'd left it too late, really, to correct his sons. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not turn from it. Eli hadn't done this. And God judged him for not disciplining his sons, not dealing properly with the situation. So what do we learn from Eli? Well, we learn that parenting is no easy task. Who knows that one? Some of you are fibbing right now. (laughs) Parenting isn't an easy task, is it? 
Well, those of you who are parents, you know that. It's not an easy job. Eli, he got it wrong, big time. He got it really wrong. He didn't deal properly with the situation that he found himself in. And God judged him for it. He failed to correct and discipline his sons. But listen, by God's grace, and it is by his grace, you and I can get it right. We can. We can get it right. And John led us wonderfully earlier in praying for us as parents. And uh, we pray for others who are parents in the church because... We need all the prayers we can get, folks. We need all the help we can get. And we certainly need God's grace to help us parenting our children. So we learn from Eli that it isn't easy, but we need to keep going at it and not give up. And when it gets hard and when it gets tough and when it seems like the easy option is to turn away and pretend that the situation isn't happening, what we learn from Eli is that that's not a good move but rather to, by God's grace, we need to bring up our children well. If you're married here this morning, one of the best things that you can do if you've got kids, one of the best things that you can do for your children is to have a strong, loving marriage and to invest time in building that and invest time with your husband or wife. Those of you who know me will will know that I often go on about having date nights And that's true of married couples. We need date nights as much as people who are not married, just dating and finding out if the person they're seeing is right for them. But we we need that. Often parents say to me, it's all right, well, you're going on about that, they may say. But, you know, we've got kids. How can we get out? You know, how can we ever get out and have some fun and some time with one another? Just so we sort of bring out the the children. Well, what you do, it's do a deal with another set of parents, you know, Make a deal. Listen, if you babysit for us once or twice a month, then we'll babysit for you once or twice a month and you can get out and have some time with your husband or wife. Friend, it's important. It's one of the best things that you can do. If you've got kids, you're married, one of the best things you can do is invest time in your marriage. And if you're not married, and if you're bringing up kids on your own, one of the best things you can do is to build a strong, loving and secure home for them so they they feel at home there they feel they've got a place of love and acceptance in that place place where they know they can be themselves and they they, they're loved and they don't have to be anybody but rather they can receive your love and we trust God's love as well disciplining your children is important I saw a, a a tweet Uh, on Twitter from a friend of mine who's a pastor in South Africa this week. And he said this, he said, Parents, discipline for the three Ds. Disobedience, disrespect, and destruction. (laughs) He's got sons. Um, (laughs) But I thought it was good. Discipline for the three Ds. Disobedience, disrespect, and destruction. And don't give up with it. Friends, don't give up with it. Don't give up. I love your children. Make sure they know it. Give them lots of time, lots of attention. Ephesians 6 verse 4 has a word to fathers. Listen up, guys. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. We've never done that, have we? Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Guys, that's what we should be doing as dads. That's our job. And friends, when when you need it, Don't be afraid to ask for help. 
John was talking earlier about one of the privileges of being in a church community. Sarah and I found it a great privilege of being in a church community, having other parents around us, having other parents who are a little bit older than us, who have sort of been there before, done it, sorted out their kids. It's great to have that sort of helpful advice and love surrounding us. You know, we've even got our very own super nanny, haven't we? That's why we run parenting courses to help us with that because we know that we need help with it. And it's a great benefit of being in a church family like that. The American social reformer of the 19th century, Frederick Douglass, said this, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. It's a good quote, isn't it? It's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. Are you building strong children? So that's Eli. Our last character is Samuel. So we looked at Hannah, his mum. We looked at Eli, it's the priest. Now we're going to spend a few minutes looking at Samuel. So Samuel, once, um, once Hannah had given birth, well, in fact, when she was praying for a son, she prayed and she agreed with God that if God answered her prayer and gave her a son, then she would dedicate the boy to God's service. That's, that's how she prayed. She said, Lord, if you give me a son, then I'll dedicate him to you. And that's a sort of easy prayer to pray and a very tempting one perhaps to forget. But Hannah didn't forget. She remembered. And so the Bible tells us that when uh, she had weaned Samuel, probably around the age of five, it's a little bit later than we would uh, wean kids these days, she took him up to, the, to Shiloh, to, back to Eli, and she dedicated him to God's service, that he might serve the Lord in, in that place. And that Eli might bring him up and train him in how to serve God. So that's, that's Samuel's environment. That's where he was from about the age of five. And we're told that Hannah would go and visit him and, and take clothes to him. So she didn't abdicate her responsibility as a parent, but she followed through on the promise that she'd made to God. And so Samuel's there, working under Eli, working in the, in the temple here, and he's serving the Lord. He's in that environment. But what I found interesting when I was reading it again, and it's in his last couple of weeks, it says that in verse 7 of Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 3, it says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. That's fascinating. He's in the temple. You know, he's where all the people come for their worship, to give sacrifices. He's working for the priest, Eli. And yet the Bible says he didn't yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord hadn't been revealed to him. You see, friends, it is possible to be around people who know God, maybe to even be in a, regularly in a church. It is possible even to show up here every Sunday and yet not know the Lord yourself. You, you might enjoy it. You might have some friends here. Uh, you might enjoy singing the songs. You might enjoy the coffee afterwards. You, you might love being around us. But actually for you, you don't yet know the Lord. That it is actually possible. The challenge, if you're in that category, or rather the invitation, is a better word, to you, is to know him yourself. Not just to be around people who do, 
but for you to know him yourself. You can even this morning. And so we find that in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, God speaks to him. He's only a boy, probably around the age of 12 or so, and we find that God speaks to him. It's amazing, isn't it? He's not speaking to Eli, who's the priest. He's actually given Eli a message previously about his family from another prophet. But he's not speaking directly to Eli. He speaks to Samuel, who doesn't yet know God, but is now about to. And this is God's initiative. It's his idea. He's the one that chooses Samuel and speaks to him. See, we can often think, can't we, that God only uses older people. But actually, the truth of it is, God can use people of any age. I was listening to a, to a talk this week in the car uh, from a conference earlier in the year. And uh, the guy speaking was so, saying how one of his kids had come to him once and said, to, Daddy, why doesn't God speak to me? How do I hear God's? And uh, he, he was talking about how he trained his children to hear from God and for themselves to, to hear God speak to them. It isn't always an audible voice. God speaks in a whole variety of ways. Sometimes he gives us an impression or a picture speaks into our minds. Sometimes he speaks to us from the Bible. So it can be a whole different uh, way that God speaks to us. It doesn't have to be an audible voice like it was with Samuel. But you see, God can and does speak to and use children. One of my favourite verses in the New Testament is in 1 Timothy chapter 4, where Paul says to his uh, younger protege, he says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. I think it was my cousin, actually, gave me that verse when I was baptised, when I was 15. Now, at the age of 15, he gives me this verse, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example. That's really helpful to me. It's a helpful verse to be reminded of. Actually, the truth of it is, Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy was probably around the age of 40 at this point. Some of you are thinking, 40? That sounds ancient. I'm standing here thinking, 40 is still young. This is good. I'm still very young, if that's the case. But Paul says, and don't let anyone look down here because you are young. Set an example. There's the challenge, friends. If you describe yourself as young, whether it's about 40 or younger, set an example. Don't just leave it to those who are older. You, set an example in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. When you're at school or college, when you're at university, when you're studying, when you're out with your friends, set an example. That's what Paul says. So, so God speaks to Samuel and uh, he gives Samuel not an easy message. Think about it. There's Samuel. His first message from the Lord is a message of rebuke and judgment to the guy he's serving. Not an easy one to communicate. But a nicer one would have been God saying to Samuel, Samuel, yes, I want to tell you that I love you. Oh, great, thanks, thanks, a lot. that's a good message. You know, be happy with that, wouldn't he? But actually the first message he gets is not an easy one to deliver. But he delivers it faithfully. And because he steps out and is faithful in what God has spoken to him, God keeps speaking to him. 
And he uses him in a marvelous way. Samuel becomes someone who is known for hearing from God. As he grows up, he becomes a prophet to the whole nation. Why? Well, it's God's initiative, his choosing. But Samuel was obedient with what God had given him to do. He doesn't become arrogant. That's the other thing. It would be easy to be arrogant, wouldn't it? Yeah, particularly if he's got a message of rebuke for his, it's not quite his boss, but it may feel like that to him, the person he's serving. It'd be quite easy for a, especially a young person to be quite arrogant at this point. He doesn't fall into that trap. He's faithful with the message God has given him and God is able to use him in a powerful way. So, what do we learn from Samuel? Number one, we learn that God speaks to unlikely people. You know, who'd have thought Samuel, age 12? But God speaks to unlikely people. He uses ordinary people. In the New Testament, we read of Jesus choosing his disciples. Who does he choose? A bunch of really ordinary guys. He doesn't go to the local college, the local university, and take the cream to the top, you know, those who have got A stars all the way through their education. Who does Jesus choose? He chooses a bunch of fishermen to start with. Because he knows that he can use them. So it isn't about how clever you may feel you are or are not. It's about being available. God uses ordinary and very unlikely people, actually. And he takes the initiative. It's his idea. Paul says this in Romans 5. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man. Someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Another way of putting it would be, while we were still far from God, before we had even acknowledged his existence, Christ died for us. It wasn't that, we were trying to get to God and God thought, oh, I need to, need to give him a helping hand here. What, do I, what can I do? He took the initiative. It was his idea. While we were still sinners, while we had not even acknowledged God's existence, Christ died for us so that we might know him. So it doesn't matter how young or how old you are. We learn from Samuel that even as a youngster, God can use us powerfully if we're available to him and obedient to him. So as we wrap up, let me ask you a couple of questions before we finish. Number one, is God calling you? Do you think maybe God might be calling you, even this morning? It was unexpected. Samuel hadn't expected to hear from God. He wasn't waking up expecting that to happen. And even Eli didn't expect it to happen. It took him a few times to realize that maybe it wasn't Samuel going around the bend, but actually God was speaking. He hadn't expected it. But he called him. I wonder, is God calling you? We, we read in the passage there that actually the voice of the Lord had been silent. The voice of the Lord was rare is the word that was used. So in those days, there was no expectation of God to speak. But they weren't expecting it to happen. God hadn't said anything for ages, maybe two or three hundred years, in terms of regularly speaking. So they weren't in a context where they were expecting God to speak. 
It was unusual at this point. But actually for us, we're in a, in a different context now. Actually, God's speaking all the time. God is calling people all the time. The question is not, is God speaking? The question is, are we listening? And have we heard? So is God calling you this morning? Many of you I know he's called already. Are you still listening? Are you still being obedient to what he's saying to you? It may not be an audible voice for you, but maybe you feel drawn to God's word. Maybe you think, I want to pick up this book, find out what, what it's about. Maybe you feel drawn to the church or to God's people. Maybe God speaks to you in other ways, like we were saying earlier. I wonder, is God calling some of you even this morning as we're here? He says, it's not about being good enough. It's about being obedient to God's call. Don't think God couldn't call me because I'm not good enough. Actually, the truth is, what the Bible tells us is, none of us are good enough. It's true. None of us are good enough. If it was about how good we were, none of us would be here this morning. Actually, what it's about is what Jesus has done for us. He is good enough. And in him, because of him, God calls us. While we were still sinners, before we had even acknowledged God's existence, Christ died for us. So in the Old Testament times, even when God did speak, he would only speak through a very small select group of individuals. So it wasn't that anybody could hear God's voice. He would speak through the prophet and it would be for a specific time, a specific occasion, a certain message, God would speak. Actually, now it's different. Now, all of us who are followers of Jesus can hear God speak. Because God says, in the last days, I, after Jesus had come, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days and they'll prophesy. So it's available to all of us who follow Jesus to hear God's voice. Acts 2.21, Peter says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you heard God call you? Have you called on the name of the Lord? Have you heard that voice? Have you responded to, to what God is saying to you? Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.